Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by VisitSouthBend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at VisitSouthBend.com. This is Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated, joined by Pete Sampson. Once again, from The Athletic, it's BC Week, Boston College Week, Notre Dame on a current eight-game winning streak against Boston College, right? It, not counting the uh, right the uh, the nullified win by the NCAA. So eight in a row, Notre Dame is a 20-and-a-half-point favorite, which, <laughs> which continues to be a bit astonishing because Notre Dame can't cover any large spread. But Notre Dame, Boston College, I, you know, I, I will forever be the 93 game will forever be at the forefront of my mind. Whenever we talk about BC, I know it's nowhere, anything like that. Tom Coughlin's not the head coach. They were 16th ranked a few years ago, but how do you guys see this learning Boston college game turning out with, uh, with a different quarterback and a different equation for BC? Honestly, um, while I don't bring up the 93 game or the O2 game or those other games anymore, or O4 or all the other years they beat them. Um, I do see, the 2022 Notre Dame team at home against a bad team that they should kill that absolutely does not believe Notre Dame should kill them. So that's kind of how I look at this game as, Mm -hmm. wow, 20 and a half is too much. I am not going to take that spread. Notre Dame could win 35 to seven, but it just, (laughs) BC does not believe that they should lose to Notre Dame because no one believes they should lose to Notre Dame when they got on the field with them right now. Cause you can always stay close. If Drew Pine is not Clemson. (laughs) <laughs> yeah right well drew drew pine was sharp i guess <laughs> i mean it, yeah unless you're clumsy you can stay close so i i don't really i know boston college will have a little more in them for this game and i think they deserve to as opposed to other times where they come in and just get their butts kicked by notre dame even when they got handled was it 19 um it was a first quarter slog on senior day remember they, they got really got yeah. handled in that game but i i could see it being a slog for two quarters in the middle of this game somewhere along the way yeah, it's, I, I think that Al Golden references on Tuesday night, like he when he sees Boston College, he sees a team that's playing with more confidence than you think a three and eight team or three and seven team would play with. You know, they beat NC State on the road last week, played well against Duke, which is I realize playing well against Duke is not a thing, but like Duke's pretty good this year. So it, you know, with the new quarterback, um, you know, with Moorhead being in there at I would think Boston College would come in expecting that they can compete and win the game. And Notre Dame, if I would feel better if Notre Dame was playing USC this weekend than I would if they were playing Boston College, just because I think Notre Dame is a team that gets up for its opposition, yep. but then doesn't get it gets up relative to its opposition. And Boston College is very, very low on the list for getting up. Yeah. When I was watching BC film this week, especially NC State and Duke, I thought, they're playing with swagger. Why the hell are they playing with swagger? And so, I mean, I think that speaks to to Jeff Halfley. I think it speaks to the boost that Emmett Moorhead has provided for them. I, I still, I said in today's Thursday thoughts, I still can't really put my finger on BC's defense. I'm not really sure. I mean, their number, I, I look at them individually and I can name seven or eight guys that I think, wow, I've seen them play pretty well but then their numbers don't indicate that. And a lot of that may have to do with the fact that they, they've they been so poor and inconsistent on offense that, you know, they're 
2.11 yards per carry. And a lot of that has to do with sack. Isn't that amazing? I mean, a lot of that has to do with sacks. They've been sacked 39 times. There's no doubt about that, but they can't run the ball. You can, I, I, I should figure out what it is minus the sacks, but it's still poor. I mean, it's still probably in the middle of the pack because they just don't, their offensive line, they lost four starters from last year. Their best player that returned, Christian Mahogany, was injured during the summer. They've had additional injuries along their offensive line. And Jerkovic, I Pete, I said this to you the other night, you know, as I'm trying to go through all the BC games, and you look at the write-ups for each game, and virtually every game, it's Jerkovic, who is under constant pressure the whole yeah. game, <laughs> you know. And now Moorhead gets rid of the football a little bit better and is a little bit, has a little bit better pocket presence, even though Jerkovic is, is mobile and athletic and all that. And so he avoids a little bit, but you're going to have to beat up Emmett Moorhead because he's pretty tough and he's going to hang in there. And they'll, they will have a lot of opportunities to do that. I mean, the last two games he's thrown 45 times and 48 times, which is like, that's, that's not a recipe for success against Notre Dame. Um, I think Zay flowers will definitely get his on Saturday. He's seventh in the country in targets he's a he's a great receiver golden said he's in the same group with josh downs and jackson smith and jigba on tuesday night so that's that's a tough matchup for whoever he gets matched against um so i would i would expect boston college will hit some big plays in the passing game to him but um the inability to run the ball and the inability to protect your quarterback like that's it's hard to survive that way uh, if you're Boston College. Yeah, that's a that's a tough call against Notre Dame because I do think the defense, Notre Dame's defense, is still. I mean, they had a bit of a throwaway situation there with Navy at the end, but I think the defense is still trending the right way. Um, I was working on this when I was coming home, but then uh, Tim Powers of Circus Sports put it in uh, writing on Twitter. <laughs> Notre Dame as an underdog or favorite of a TD or less, so that when they're in a close one, is five and zero against the spread, four and one straight up. When they're a favorite of a touchdown or more, they're zero and five against the spread and three and two straight up. So that's what we're thinking of. We're not really thinking of BC's matchup because Boston College's offensive line and Notre Dame's front seven is a is a bad matchup from August till now. It's always been a bad matchup. I know BC might have found something last week with Moorhead in his second start, but going into last week, they were one in six with a minus six point seven cover point total. As, as double digit underdogs. So they were really, really poor. Now they did look like they found confidence. I think they will play pretty well, but we are probably looking right now, the old phenomenon of the last great catch you saw is always the best ever. I think we're looking at one Boston college game and one half in Notre Dame, a little bit too much. That right. said, I'm not touching 20 and a half. So whatever. Yeah. No, I hear you, Pete. I think I said this to you the other night watching BC film. It's like, you know, when you go to the bar and they, you have the shake a day, they, they give you the, 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 the five dice, you roll those out on the bar. And that, that looks like BC's scattered offensive line. <laughs> I mean, there are holes. a lot of cohesion. You're saying no, there are holes through that offensive line. I kind of look at this game like, like the Virginia game of 2019 where Notre Dame had like eight sacks in that game. Yeah. Not saying they're going to get eight. But I think it has that kind of potential to it where you just keep getting to the quarterback. And what was the score in that game, Tim? 35 to 20. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was it was it was Virginia jumped on him, right? Bryce Perkins looked unstoppable yeah. for a couple drives. I don't drives. necessarily expect that, but I'm, no. I'm saying that because <laughs> if that of happens, the, you're going to have yeah. some angry denizens. I, yeah, I'm, <laughs> say, I'm saying that because of the point spread, and, and but I but I do think that it has the potential where and it's not going to be Dracovic, right? He's banged up. No, well, even yeah. if he was healthy, they wouldn't. I don't think they would go. Why would you go? Why would you go back to him with the way that Moorhead's playing? He's Moorhead, got like three or four injuries. It right. just and one yeah. of them's a concussion. Yeah, and Moorhead hasn't been perfect. He's thrown some balls into some traffic that he probably shouldn't do. He's kind of a he just played you know, better. He's, a, he's playing yeah, better now than he was. He, yeah. yeah, he's a he's a very confident kid, and he's he's you know you're gonna <laughs> Jeff Halfley, shall I say, will roll the dice with with Emmett Moorhead. I think that that's a safer safer choice. Smarter the best choice. thing the best thing to say here is. But the problem is we said it before Stanford. Stanford couldn't run the ball and Stanford couldn't block Notre Dame. Stanford ran the ball pretty well and Stanford blocked Notre Dame. That's BC true. can't run the ball and BC can't block Notre Dame. Let's see if Notre Dame can just take advantage of their strengths yeah. and, and handle this team. Last home game, home stretch of, of the season. I, I expect Notre Dame to be a little bit better prepared mentally and emotionally for sure. for this situation, but, yeah. <laughs> but we've been wrong as, before. As, all, <laughs> as all the players are figuring out, am I returning? Am I not returning? Should I run out? Should I not run out? I wish there was more clarity on that. Yeah, we're gonna. Uh, did you get more clarity on that today? We have a question a in second segment. Bit. We'll uh, yeah. we'll address we'll address that. I thought I I thought I gave Marcus Freeman opportunity to to clarify, and I'm not sure. But but I want I'm gonna Pete. I'm gonna ask you to. Talk about that because you were there. You were closest to it when we got an explanation on Tuesday night. We'll clarify that. But Kenny Minchie, the quarterback from Henderson, as some people know, I'm having trouble remembering his first name. I want to call him. I want to call him Kevin. But Kenny Minchie, uh, and I don't know why. I think it's a former Kentucky basketball player. I don't know. I got a lot rolling around in my head. I'm not sure. But Kenny Minchie is one hell of a catch for Notre Dame at this stage. The signing day is December 21st, and they just got a a really exciting prospect whose vision of the field and feel for the game and accuracy is really, really pretty special from what I've seen on high school film. I don't necessarily know that that translates to Notre Dame, but generally speaking, when you see a player of this aptitude, it does. What are your guys' thoughts on Kenny Minchie, the quarterback from Henderson, Hendersonville, Tennessee, which is where Golden Tate went to high school? I don't think uh, there's a lot of quarterbacks in the class that they were reasonably going to flip, but I'd have been, all right, good. This works out well. I, I like this flip. I like this idea for the future. Um, it doesn't change my idea at all about having a graduate transfer come in for next season because Kenny Minchie's not the guy coming in for next season, of course. Um, but I'm with you. I am with you, Tim. I think you, you never know how this is going to translate because remember, Brandon Wimbush was about a 76% passer with decent ball placement when he was a senior. But he looks like he can throw. I I, I really think it can translate. That's a glowing. Um, glowing it's a glowing. It's right. a glowing review. But <laughs> I am higher on him, not as high as I was on Buckner, but I'm higher on him than I was on Angeli Pine. Clark, is that fair enough? I think so. Okay. I, right. I started to have my doubts about Buckner, but I, you know, Tyler Buckner started. Uh, the running ability was the running ability. No doubt, counted, no doubt so, about it. Yeah. No yeah. doubt about it. Pete? I, I think it's it's another arm for the room. Um, it's more competition. It does absolutely nothing to change the need for a grad transfer this offseason of the position. But the more shots you take, with quarterbacks, the more likely you're going to hit on one. I don't know if they're going to hit on Minchie. I don't know if they're going to hit on CJ Carr. 
Maybe they'll hit on Tyler Buckner still. Um, but I'd rather take three shots yes. than two. Um, and I would, because they're so uncertain, I 100% would still take a grad transfer that was more of a sure thing, even if it's a lower ceiling type of player um, that you're getting. Well, we have been assured that that remains Notre Dame's plan, and it's not a, a, a flyer on a guy. They want a guy that is a veteran quarterback who is established. So obviously Kenny Minchie understands that he's coming into that situation. Obviously CJ Carr understands that that will be the situation moving down the road. But the fact of the matter is, especially when you throw in, um, you know, Ron Paul is the third, that's a real, that's going to be a really, really crowded quarterback yeah. room. And in this day and age, it does quarterback rooms don't stay crowded on, that's on fine. this level. So that's what's fine. going to happen? So what's Trans- going to happen? Transfer, oh, it's fine. Whatever. Yeah. No, of course. Yeah. Of course yeah. it's fine. But I mean, if what there are you... five guys, number five leaves, maybe number four leaves, but then you're, you still number one, number two, and number three are still there. Right. I mean, that's, that's kind of what your role. You're, it's just, you're playing the odds. If you're Notre Dame, the more it, quarterbacks you have, the more likely you have one yeah. good one. Tim, I'm glad you mentioned CJ Carr because CJ Carr will come to Notre Dame with a different grad transfer quarterback coming in possibly. Because this be, grad transfer uh, coming in will be gone after next year. And right. CJ Carr will be coming in after that. And they'll probably if that grad transfer quarterback starts and plays, that means Buckner or Pine or both won't be coming, won't be around when CJ Carr comes in. Yeah, it's probably probably it I mean true. they're not gonna yeah. sit for two years, they're gonna no. sit for one year, right? No, and then Pine will be approaching graduation from the yeah. university. I think um, he is now. He's an early enrollee. Although all those guys that enrolled early during COVID, I don't know what happened to them with their with their credits and yeah. transfers and all yeah, that. That, yeah. that probably threw So that'd be interesting, but isn't it kind of fascinating? The one minute it's look at the quarterback room, and the next minute you're talking about guys that are going to leave because it's too crowded. Yeah. It's the nature of the game now, and that's uh That won't change. That will continue moving forward. Coming up, segment two, burning up the boards. This is Mike Brown, former Notre Dame leprechaun, here to share the Leprechaun's Game Day at Notre Dame, an officially licensed children's book that celebrates the magic of a football Saturday at Notre Dame. Follow me on an adventure from Step Off Under the Golden Dome to ND Stadium with this perfect gift for fighting Irish fans. Visit www.lepgameday.com and enter Irish to get your author signed copy today. Go Irish! Here's another Irish tale from Do Dublin at dodublin.ie. In 1916, Irish rebel forces have taken up position on the north side of Dublin's St. Stephen's Green Park. They exchange fire with the British to the south. Suddenly, a man enters the park with a brown bag above his head. Both sides cease fire. The park's groundskeeper has come to feed the ducks. For the next six days, there is a daily ceasefire so the ducks can be fed. Learn more when you do Dublin with Do Dublin Tours. Segment two, burning up the boards. Our first question is from Wreckers33 Hot. Since it's senior day, can you provide status or predictions on who will stay for 2023? And Wreckers adds guys like Avery Davis, Justin Adamiola, Lindsay Tyree, Joseph Hart, DJ Brown, and of course there are more, and I will pull up our chart. But let's start with uh, we, Avery Davis will not... Avery Davis is leaving. Yep. Justin Adamiola and Cam Hart and Brandon Joseph are the three that we believe have the biggest decision to make, right? Because Pete adds Cam Hart's shoulder to that mix. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I think so. Justin Adamiola was in Tuesday night to talk mm-hmm. and said he hadn't made a decision on it, um, which 
I guess you could take that any way that you want it. Uh, but he said that the staff wants him back. Um, maybe if I was him, I would return. Um, you know, well, no, you can in, showcase no, his skills next yeah, year. No yeah. injury history, play 50 snaps a game of defense, starter, maybe, maybe a captain. Who knows? I mean, there's not a lot of like huge veteran presences on that right. defense. So, um, if I was him, if I was Justin Edmill, I would return. Um, Brandon Joseph, I think, arrived at Notre Dame thinking it was a one year deal. I think he'd be better off staying for a second year. Cam Hart, I just, Cam Hart may be just more of where his head's at. Um, because I, I think it certainly coming back and, and getting more tape. And I, and this is like, we always get these questions, and I think that we, gloss over the fact or miss the fact that some guys are just ready to be done with college. Right, like right. somebody was asking Sam Hartman at wake forest, like, you know, you're <laughs> eligible for a seventh year. And he's like, heck no. Like I, yeah. oh, he did I'm, say that. I'm done. Like I, I, I don't, I don't with, like, I love wake forest. I'm not transferring anywhere, but I'm like, I'm done playing college football with heart. Um, I just think he's only really played two years of college yeah. football. Um, Lindsay, it seems like a guy that would be like, you know, this was my fifth year. I didn't expect I'm ready to move on. Yeah, um, I would think so. That, that's, that's a move. And then DJ Brown, I just feel like they'll probably ask him to come back and be a part-time starting safety, or they'll tell him he's a starting safety and it could be a part-time starting safety. Um, would he go somewhere and play and at a lower level to be a better starter? That doesn't make any sense to me. I so I don't know why DJ Brown, unless he's done with college, because DJ Brown would be a sixth year. Right. That's different. Um, the real question on here, I guess, guys, is Chris Tyree. Yeah. First of all, I'd like to say, I mean, Justin Adamalola, if he wants to play in the NFL, he, he needs to come, he needs to come back and really he'll have an opportunity to showcase himself. Brandon Joseph, the same way. I mean, that, there's there's Cam Hart the same way. Cam Hart the same way, but I understand the injury situation. Yes. And but you know, and he also had he has length. I mean, he ha- he he has NFL characteristics. And so if he wants to do that, I totally get that. Uh, Chris Tyree, uh, you know, that's, I have no idea where his head is on this, but you can certainly understand because Jadarian Price is going to be healthy next year and they're going to want to play him because they loved him. So, you know, Tyree would have his degree. I, I think it would make sense for him. I think he probably should do that. Um, what do you think, Pete? I, I get the feeling he thinks a little highly, more highly of himself than the rest of us think of him. And he probably sees himself as a player next year for Notre Dame. Which he could be. You're talking about Tyree. Yeah. Well, yeah. How's I mean, he gonna? How's he gonna beat out the guys that are already ahead of yeah. him? Yeah. Um. I mean, he's a junior, so it's not. I. I don't know if he'd be doing right. a grad transfer. Um. At, at that's. I'm assuming he's probably pretty close to his degree, though. Um. That's where I wonder because he was a non. He was a COVID freshman, which just hurts your overall. Yeah. Volume so there was, of there semester no, of credits, I would think. Yeah, you, you know, couldn't enroll early. Yeah, really. Um, um, in a classic sense. So, I I would assume that he would come back. Um, you know, he still, and then maybe do a grad transfer afterwards if it makes sense. Um, you know, go, go through the spring semester, maybe transfer in the summer if that's what you want to do. Um, don't you guys think they'll sell him on the theoretic role of um? Slot yeah, receiver, receiver and running back and all that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that I, just, I there's mean, there's too much like ability in Chris Tyree to be like, oh, well, we don't need Chris. Like, Chris Tyree is a, a value add to your roster. No, I would agree. But you've got to, you, you've got to get the football to him past the line of scrimmage, not behind it. You tell him yes. you'll do that. Well, then that's what, then that's what you need to do. And, you know, by the way, I think this mayor kid should come back for another year. He really yeah. needs to refine his game. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, he did miss from, that block against Davy. Yeah, he did yeah. miss that that's, block. That's question enough. from <laughs> question from Chubby Squirrel, which I find interesting and nice. uh, I'm curious. Uh, if Tyler Buckner was cleared to play this week, would you start him or would you continue to roll with Drew Pine? No, no, I, I would not start him at all. I wouldn't play him. Uh, I wouldn't have him suit up at all. Like, but I mean, let's say he no. Let's clean, say he's let's great. say a clean bill of health. Clean, like he health. had a sprained ankle or something. Yeah, yeah like he's right. He's a hundred percent now. Still his no. shoulders a hundred percent. That's that's what it is. Yeah. Let's say his shoulders a hundred percent. Still no. I I wouldn't. I don't. I think Drew Pine's done enough stuff where you kind of know what you have. And let's like let's some real talk here, guys. Like. Tyler Buckner was not that great in the two games he started. I would play Tyler Buckner in the role he played with Jack Cohn for sure for the next two games as needed, or maybe just get him ready for USC in the bowl game. I would probably, because that would be four games. I'm trying to be like realist, totally realistic here. He played two games. He could play four in red shirt because oh, okay. he did not, he did not redshirt as a freshman. Oh, okay. I would play Buckner two of the three games, which probably means I would mm-hmm. play him in LA in the bowl game because that's better than playing him against Boston college. But if you need to beat Boston college by your quarterback, keeping the ball and running for 50 yards on a play, he could be available for that. I would play yeah. him two more games, uh, ideally LA and the bowl. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you on that, Tim. I mean, him in the 2021 role would, I mean, imagine at this stage of the season, your defensive coordinator and, we got to prepare for that now too. I mean, you, you haven't had to consider that at all with Drew Pine. So I would, I would probably do that question from Denver Maximus. How would you describe the season and career so far of Riley Mills to me is the defensive Braden Lindsay, a few highlights here and there, but zero consistency this year or any year. I mean, I think he's more, I wouldn't go the Braden Lindsay way. He was wildly inconsistent for a few years. Um, I thought Mills would have a better, season in terms of production last year and then I definitely thought he would have a better production this year I think we uh overlooked and he has talked about it a lot that last year we were maybe jumping the gun a little bit with some of those true sophomores that didn't have the weight training and everything I I brought up COVID like seven times this podcast for some reason but he mentioned that (laughs) he didn't have the weight that none of the linemen Harry Heaston said none of the linemen Tosh Baker Riley Mills all these guys did not have the training they normally would have had that year um but I don't know if that explains this year that much. So I thought Riley Mills would be more productive this year. I don't think we're probably giving enough credit. I think he's – Brayden Lindsay had two bad years, really, in between yeah. this year and his first year. I would just say Mill, Mills has not hit the heights that he thought, I thought, we thought. Like, you know, I, I just think he has not kicked on the way that uh, we would have thought. He's, But he still has two years of eligibility remaining, so – you look at it from the point that he's halfway through his career. Would you like to see more to date? Yes, but I would. I would still be optimistic on Riley Mills. Yeah, um, next year in the in and a fifth of a fifth year should he choose to do it. I agree with basically everything both of you said. He does have two years left. He needs to get. But I think it's unfair to make the comparison to Lindsey because, I mean, we're not giving it. You're not giving any credit then to his strength and his ability to hold the point of attack in the middle of the defensive line. I mean, he's doing, he's doing a lot of unseen things, but you've heard me say it a million times before, man, you got to fight to get off a block. You can't go, you can't go for the ride. And he's, I, I mean, I believe he's too strong to be doing that at times, but two years left, he needs both years. I think there's still a lot of pro productivity 
um, that he can offer Notre Dame's defensive line in 2022 and 2023. Next from 618 Irish, besides fumbling, my eyes and the stats say Audric Estime is clearly the best running back. He's also a solid blocker and pass catcher. Why is he not the number one back at this point? You can't say besides the fumbling. You can't, you can't say that. I mean, he fumbled three times in four games, so you can't say that. His, he has the exact, Tim, you pointed this out this week, he has the exact same amount of carries as Logan Diggs. And, both, oh, by the way, have you seen Logan Diggs? He's good, too. Uh, I don't. Yeah, Diggs had know. a uh, bad moment blocking, and I think that might be sticking in people's craw right now because Logan Diggs sure seemed cool a couple of weeks ago, didn't he? There was yeah, after was the Clemson like a, game I when mean, he. Yeah. Every running back had a bad moment yes, last week sure the, Holy cow. as pass blockers, but this isn't a, it's not a one back game anymore. Not the college game is not like that. Right. Um, I think it's fine the way it is. I mean, I understand if you want to see a little bit more of estimate because his he's averaging 5.7 yards of carry and he scored nine touchdowns, but I don't think, I don't think he's getting short change carries. Maybe there, there are moments I get that. And, you know, I get that. And I can understand why, you know, as a follower, you might want to see him run out there the first time. Uh, but I don't really have a problem with it because I think Logan Diggs has become a, a, a pretty damn good college running back this year as well. Yeah. It's, I mean, you look at estimates carry totals, like, okay, you, you sort of have to throw out the UNLV game as from a statistical point right. of view, just because he was benched for fumbling. Um, so he only had three carries, 20 carries against Syracuse, 18 against Clemson last week was kind of a funky game, but you know, I had 14 against BYU, 17, North Carolina, 18 against Cal 10 against Marshall, nine against Ohio state. Like he's getting a lot of work. Um, and I agree with you, Tim, like I'd like, the running back rotation I really like right now. I think they're doing it. They're, they're doing it smartly. Um, last week was kind of an outlier because maybe chose to send 22 guys on every play. Yeah. So I think it was at the BYU game where estimate got beaten up a little bit in that game. I mean, I think he hobbled out of it. Was that the game? I, I'm not, I'm not sure. That's what I'm thinking, but you know, it's a, it's a long season and, these guys take hits that we just kind of disregard and move on to the next play, but they can't disregard them. I think he may have, he may have been bounced around a little bit at one of those games, a uh, late early season, yeah. mid seasons. I also am not sure that he's not the number one back necessarily. Um, Diggs has started five games, but that is the particular package. Tommy Reese wants yeah, to run. I wouldn't on the put any drive. There's yeah. I wouldn't put any weight on opening drives because it's a matchup. It's a, right. it's a, right. you know, it's a scheme thing. I mean, Sherwood started. He's probably yeah. not a starter over yeah. some of the guys. No, right? Notre Dame's got a great thing going at running back right now, and you add Jadarian Price to the to the equation next year, and it's even even better. I want to throw in a question from Tim O'Malley and D. Okay. Um, can you guys believe that we are in week ten of the twenty twenty two season, and right now Dion Colsey is a more reliable wide receiver than his classmate Logan Styles? I mean, Logan Lorenzo Styles. Can't say the name. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, he has yeah. four, five third down conversions in the last two games. I I was working on those stats at my kitchen table this morning. Yeah, he's got <laughs> he's got three for the season, and Styles has four. I mean, it's it's bizarre to me that like like Deion Colsey has been the quietest. Holy cow! This guy's really turned yeah. it on performer of the season because usually, I mean, you know how we are, right? Like, yeah, as soon as somebody has one good game, we're like. Marcus Freeman, tell me about this breakout performance. Like, 
Deion Colsey has played well, like even at Syracuse. Like no, he, Syracuse is when he started playing plays. well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and we just I don't. It's just sort of been lost to some of the the heights of the Clemson game or like the WTF of the Navy game. We have not talked about Deion Colsey nearly enough. What did he against Clemson? He had. Uh, I know he had all their yards in the second half against Navy. Yeah. That matters a little bit. <laughs> he had more well, yards yeah. than the team had. He didn't do yeah. anything against Clemson, though. I'm, I'm, I'm just, yeah. I'm just saying. But no, he's been good. I mean, he's been good. I, the, the third down conversions are. Imagine Notre Dame without those third down conversions. They wouldn't have had any in the second they half were, against. Yeah, they, yeah. they wouldn't have had. They were very important. Question from RB Irish 09. Gun to his head. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Whom is Pat Narduzzi cheering for when Notre Dame goes to USC? Uh, I want to let you guys know because I got a message from one foot down. You guys answer the preseason uh, questionnaire they sent out. Uh, one of the extra questions was which opposing coach will complain post game first. And I wrote Pat Narduzzi, even though Nordian wasn't playing him. <laughs> <laughs> and they have given me credit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it's coming. Um, gun to his head. He will drive there and root for USC on the 50 yard line, <sighs> trying to give defensive help to USC. Yeah, you know, it took it took me a second to figure out why he would yeah. have any angst towards USC because I just have Notre Dame only on the brain with Pat Narduzzi. I forgot <laughs> so that does he. Uh, they took his best receiver. But he got he their is, quarterback. So yeah, he got their quarterback. He's Perfect. wound tight. And can you imagine? I mean, you know, especially an old school guy like him in this with the changes that have gone on in college football in recent years. Just he got it's a great you know, and then and then and then losing a guy. Like five weeks before signing day. Hey, he got Sebo, uh, who is a quarterback. Yeah, that's, it's quarterback the same thing. Slovis, extremely, Addison, yeah, Mr. Minchie, same thing. Yeah, he got he traded to Addison for Slovis and Minchie for Sebo. Tough day. <laughs> I don't know what the problem is. I think he goes up to Sebo and just sees if he'll badmouth Notre Dame along with him, and Sebo's yeah. like, "Nah, I'm all right, man. This is fine. There's no. I'm only here yeah. because they didn't need me." I got my degree from there. I'm yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm good on this question from Flanner Jim rat this week. Braden Lindsay said, quote, NIL is lovely. Should the fan base be more optimistic that Notre Dame is getting the, uh, getting this figured out to the point that solid college football players might be incentivized to stick around for fourth and fifth seasons. And I will add in, in some instances, six seasons. Um, I think that Notre Dame is in a pretty good spot with getting guys to stick around for their fourth and fifth season. It's getting guys to come for their first season where Notre Dame's NIL stuff needs to, needs to get a lot better. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way of looking at it. And with Braden Lindsay saying, NIL is lovely. I think he just is the way Braden Lindsay speaks because we asked Braden, or you guys asked, I wasn't there last night. You guys asked Braden Lindsay about Tobias Merriweather. And the first thing he did was talk about Tobias Merriweather, the person for like three sentences. And then he's like, and then on the field, that's literally not what anybody wanted to know. They all, of course, wanted to know on the field. But Braden Lindsay is a mature Notre Dame graduate <laughs> who's yes. fun to talk to nowadays. Braden Lindsay went from you don't want to talk to him to the most fun guy to talk to. I have talked to him. The last time I talked to him it was all about stocks and all the stocks they discussed. Like Braden Lindsay's use of the word lovely is just a unique thing to Braden Lindsay. And he has an NIL deal, and I bet he's happy as a Notre Dame grad that he has some extra money coming in, more so than the guys that have money coming in that don't have cool deals. Yeah, we have I seen that through, out loud. We, we have seen through the years the guys that have that have benefited from the Notre Dame education experience. Yes. Uh, and and Braden Lindsay's come a long way. I mean, he's just he's come a long way, and he uh, 
He made a lovely catch last week against he is, This feels like two years ago, but I think it was last spring. Is it last spring when he talked to us in depth about how awful it would have been for him to enroll early? He had a couple really good media sessions. Yeah. One was about enrolling early in your freshman year, and then we had a long conversation with him. I think I talked to him about his interest in like uh, finance and like the yeah. He, he, that's what he went on the stock. 20, he went the, yeah, let's talk to him for twenty minutes about it. He's uh, great, great his point about not enrolling early and how glad he was that he didn't because he would have transferred. I thought was one of the best things ever. He's like, you come here, there's no games. It's yeah. freezing cold. It's the worst time of year. There's nowhere to go, nothing to do, no one to see outside. No one, none of the students are doing anything. He said he would have absolutely hated it, and he cannot believe that people are able to do it. And I thought, and this guy stuck it out and loves Notre Dame, and he could just speak freely and openly. And honestly, it's going to miss talking to Braden Lindsay. He is a delight. <laughs> yes, he's lovely to talk to. Yes. <laughs> Welch Brian eleven twelve. Do you think Navy has given Boston College, USC, and a future bowl opponent the blueprint for stopping the Notre Dame offense with cover zero? Do you think recent Pine will be prepared for it? And here's another part of this question: and be successful. Yeah, I don't think prepared. (laughs) I don't think Brian Newberry felt like he had the blueprint in the first half when Notre Dame scored three touchdowns against cover zero to open the game. But point taken by uh, Welch Brian eleven twelve. Yeah, Tommy Reese doesn't think so. We talked to him about the other night, and he said he welcomes the challenge to it. I don't, I don't have as much confidence. I I don't either. I don't have confidence. I agree. I agree with him. I I don't have as much confidence in the quarterback to 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 deal with those things uh, because of some of his his physical limitations, et cetera. But uh, yeah, of course, you're going to do that more, and you're going to crowd the line of scrimmage. Let's clarify. Cover zero in the first half by Navy wasn't nearly as aggressive up front as it was in in the second half. So it was a little bit different, but sure. Challenge Notre Dame. What's the worst thing that can happen? I guess three quick touchdowns to go up 21, 21 to seven, like it did last week. I would throw in what I'd written this last couple weeks about drop eight teams that dropped eight against Drew Pine. He was terrible against it. Uh, before Navy, he was 12 of 25 for 114 yards against drop eight. Against Navy, he was four of four for 125 yards and a touchdown. So, like, they've shown the ability to solve something that was correct a weakness from earlier in the year. I don't see any reason why they couldn't correct this one because if running cover zero blitz was a great idea, everyone would do it. Nobody does it. I, uh, because I, it's a ter- it's a terrible junk defense. As soon as the other team knows what knows that it's coming, and now Notre Dame will know it's coming. Yeah, I Newberry. would throw in some cover zero blitz at times with better oh, corners. Yeah. That the better corners that Navy has firing down, down when you have Notre Dame in a particular position on the field where you think your corners can protect against Lorenzo Styles and Braden Lindsay with Drew Pine throwing them the ball. I would definitely try it. I would definitely have it in every game plan against Notre Dame moving forward. I just don't think you're going to see yeah, it. Yeah, you're going to you're going to see it two up. or three times and then that but that could decide a game. Like if you get, if you get Dupont's tip pass of the week, again that, it gets picked off like against Navy, that can decide the game. Newberry told Reese after the game that it was like last resort. Yeah. Because yeah. of the way the first half went. So to your point, Pete, yeah, the, you know, they aren't, they're not doing this. I mean, all defenses all over the country aren't doing this on a regular basis. It it has to be a, a, a last resort or a, a, a change up 
Um, I, yeah, I think it's part of a plan as, but nowhere near the, yeah, obviously. And, to B, the, and, and B, BC's secondary is adept enough to, to do drop eight and, and, and cause uh, further damage to what, you know, to what Pine has done up to this point as well. Kaiser Wilhelm, is this the game where the fourth down handoff to Mitchell Evans finally pays off into some sort of trick play? If not, what's the point of all the weird shifting? Oh, Notre Dame's offense is a lot of work before the snap. A lot of work. <laughs> um, we have talked about it. this a few times, I think. Yeah, <laughs> and I get it. It makes the defense declare. It should give your your quarterback a better idea of what's coming. Um, with the Mitchell Evans stuff, I guess you're you're waiting to see. Does did the defense line up with like a man over the center and a man in each of the a gaps? Because then the Mitchell Evans package is not going to work. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of shifting. I I share the questioners angst about it um <laughs> it'd be great look it'd be great if there was a trick play off of it i'm sure there's there's something um but i would be shocked if we ever saw it yeah i don't think we'll see it and if we do i hope it is not like tampa bays where they're throwing to pine instead of brady there on the fade i don't think that would go well either evan's throwing deep to pine but maybe that's it i don't know well, i don't think i don't think we'll see if we see it it's going to be next week I probably agree. not this week uh, it's the one part of that was going to throw in here it won't be this week. It'll be next week or in the bowl game. It would be something along those lines. Yeah. I, you know, the TV version didn't show it, but Mitchell Evans actually, like, he didn't, I don't think he motioned into taking the snap last week in the first series when Marcus Freeman went forward on fourth down in the opening series. Um, so there was a variation there. But, uh, yes, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of pre snap movement. There's no doubt about that. Kevin Cunningham, 667. In regard to the transfer portal, what are Nordame's top needs? Kevin Cunningham says, mine are quarterback, kicker, safety, D-line, and wide receiver. It all, how are we going to answer this, that everybody leaves that can leave? Otherwise, it's really – or that would reasonably leave, like E.J. Yeah, Brown leaves. Of very, Brandon there's Joseph a lot of variables leaves. here. I put kicker last no matter what because I think Zach Yoakum could probably be fine as a kicker because he's – the best kickoff specialist Notre Dame has ever had besides the guy on the bench behind him, apparently. So that's a good thing. Um, I would give some trust to Zach Yoakum there, but quarterback is one. If Justin Adamiola doesn't come back, defensive line is two. No, wide receiver is two, no matter what. Defensive line, safety, and kicker. Because Xavier Watts, Ramon Henderson. You can play as a freshman. You can play as a freshman. Yep. Talking to and you, Peyton Bowen. And I don't well, know yeah, why you Peyton yeah. Bowen. I Peyton mean, Bowen. Peyton Bowen's a key. Yeah. I think Brandon Joseph is a real key here too. I, yeah. If Brandon Joseph returns and you get Bowen and Schuler coming in and minute, yeah, you don't need. You wouldn't get a safety. I wouldn't. Unit, yeah, right? I wouldn't do that. I I do want to say you need a wide receiver. I mean, for numbers, so that's that's yeah, definitely number two. Like kickoffs and field goals are very different. I you know I mean Yoakum. He beat out Josh Bryan though too. In, he did in, for the he kicking did. job. Yeah. He did, and we saw him. I believe one of the practices we saw him as very good kicking field goals, but that's practices. Um, hey, there is no such QB, thing as a gamer kicker, Tim. You got to hit him yeah, in practice. Okay. QB, I, well, I, I generally agree with that principle, but I, I understand the dissenting opinions with it. Well, but, no, kicker might be the dissenting opinion because you can be a great practice kicker and not be a good game kicker of true. all positions in the world. That would be. Quarterback definitely. I you know wide receiver. I think that's a I think that's a good idea too. D end. We've talked about D end before, although 
getting Justin Adam Alola back is would be great. That would be fantastic. But if you get, I mean, if you get Brandon Joseph to come back and you have Henderson and Watts and and maybe DJ Brown, you know, I don't, I don't. One know of those how, two coming back out of DJ Brown and Joseph. Yeah, Plus, but it's got to be. I think it's Peyton Bowen. If Peyton Joseph. Bowen's there, it's got to be. Gotta be <laughs> yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be Joseph. They really, they really, really need that. I would um, say if you could, if you could give me a quarterback, I would gladly decline all other graduate transfers just for the sake of getting a quarterback. In. Well, you don't have to do that. Pete. Nope. I know. It's both. Like, you know, Pete, oh, it's like the Ohio State. I'm a big both yeah. person. I mean, everyone knows I love both, but like, <laughs> I'm just saying, quarterback is so far and away number one on this list. Yeah. It is like, I, I would say that if, if they get a quarterback, but they miss on the other ones, I'd say they did. Okay. If they got the other four, but missed on a quarterback, I'd say they failed. I think Pete makes a good point. Cause you could get um, Michael Floyd and golden Tate and you're gonna have a problem if you don't get a quarterback, but I want to point out one thing about the wide receivers with the three freshmen and Matt Salerno, they will have eight wide receivers on the team next year. You need some wide receivers to come in. Matt Salerno makes eight. Yeah. Yeah. You need 10 a good number. I, you know, even and with Stucky Justin, said 10, Stucky has said 10. Oh, he I has said 10. that. Yeah. yeah. Justin yeah. Adam, even with Justin Adam Alola, you need a pass rushing an established pass rushing defensive end because otherwise, I mean, what are you looking at? And Nano Safa Mensa has become a, a, a good solid football player at strong side end. Yeah. You, you need a, you need a pass rusher to end Justin Adam Alola. Then you have a really good yeah. defensive line again. Now, you know, I mean, obviously, if Keon Keeley was still on board, that dude's playing day one. Keon Keeley or a quarterback, Pete? Still a quarterback. Again. I'd take four years. I'd take three years of Keon Keeley and let Tyler Buckner take a shot at it. I think I don't think I don't think that's an either or proposition. So I won't (laughs) even address it. Both. I'm sorry. It's both. both. Right. Always both. (laughs) From Terry Benedict, two or maybe three more games. Oh, this is sad. I didn't think about this. Two or maybe three more games watching Michael Mayer in a Notre Dame uniform. Compare him to other great Notre Dame tight ends. And do you think Notre Dame is doing enough promoting him on a national level? Pete, two or three? Two. Um, I think there'll be two more games. Uh, I, and I think Notre Dame's doing a nice job in Michael Mayer's wheelhouse. Like, I don't, he's not a big Heisman campaign guy. They tweet about him on social media all the time. They got him on game day on Saturday to do sort of a live interview hit during the show. Um, yeah, I, I think they're doing a nice job as much as Michael Mayer wants a nice job done. Um, I don't think he wants to be out there all the time. Like he is, I think it was before, before Clemson. I asked like, okay, as I expected, we'd be interviewing him on Tuesday night and mm-hmm. turns out he didn't want to, he didn't want to come in. I was like, all right. I mean, it's like, he's not a big media first guy. No, he's pretty um, so, focused at the uh, at, with the task yeah. at hand. And whenever there's a whole hangover video with Marcus Freeman and Foskey, I mean, I Notre Dame, I think has done that. Probably did more for his profile than yeah. than, yeah. than anything else uh, that you could have done. Everybody saw that. So, uh, great tight ends in Notre Dame history. Very quickly uh, on Mayor, I, I have seen them all because I saw right. the the invention <laughs> of the position. How does Pretty he compare much. to Leon Hart, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> he was just li- back in those days. They were just he was just listed as an the end. end. Okay. Yes. Uh, you know, I mean, categories. And, There's the College and Pro Football Hall of Famer who we probably should not compare Michael Mayer to and Dave Casper just yet. 
And then there's the modern tight end. I mean, and McAfee's different too. He's a he's a he was a third in the Heisman voting and a Hall, college football Hall of Famer. Yeah, three time I mean, All three time All American college football Hall of Famer. Like, Casper was an offensive lineman initially. Yes, so, but I mean, it's since a... since those since McAfee, and eh, maybe not even including Bavaro as a two time Super Bowl champion, a multiple Pro Bowler, and All Pro too. Uh, but like, so we're doing like the Rudolph, uh, starting with Fasano. Yeah, and you could even throw on some of those '80s guys that were first-round picks, like Irv Smith and everything. Yeah, but, Irv, I yeah. would throw in Irv Smith. Derek, Derek Brown was Derek very Brown, good. Yep. He was kind of wide receiver-like. Um, he was wide receiver. I mean, Eifert was always the one I thought was best. I thought Eifert's senior year was he was great. I think Mayer's still better though. But not as much as people like making a slam dunk. Like if you went back and watched well, what Tyler Eifert did for Notre Dame his senior year, he was great. He was an I awesome think what player. Se- I think what he was, he was fantastic. I would, I mean, I would, I would, I could put up an argument for him, but yes, yeah, for Ma- sure. But Mayer's ability to make contested catches is he's really good at it. He's pretty, yeah. I mean, pretty, he's better after the I catch mean, probably than Eifert too, in terms of just breaking the tackle and getting would, some yards. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And really, you know, I mean, like when you talk about, contested catches my visions of ken mcafee were a lot of contested catches so you go back to the you know the original greats so yeah Bayer has a lot of great catches if you google right now eifert touchdown catch stanford and watch tyler eifert go up and get the ball for the only regulation touchdown on offense of that entire game because stanford scored on defense it is an amazing catch by tyler eifert that no tight end well kyle rudolph's pretty tall that I don't know. I don't think Michael Mayer could get up there and get that ball because Tyler Eifert, as we all know, was a tremendous athlete, basketball player, leaper, and everything. Mm-hmm. Mayer's awesome. Don't want to denigrate anything Mayer does. And also, Golson's a better quarterback, and Reese is a better quarterback than Pine. And Michael yeah, Mayer that, has, has had to go through that. Yeah, that I, helps. And go ahead, Pete. I'm sorry. I was just going to say that I would give Mayer uh, an uptick or a bonus point to the fact that the passing game has almost nothing yeah. else. Right. Like that's a good call. Yeah. That's it's true. really, you know, you just take him away and there's not, not much else is going to be happening um, until last week, but it, that's not something I feel like Eifert had to deal with or Rudolph had to help Rudolph and Eifert. Played together. <laughs> uh, Rudolph did not have to deal uh, with that. <laughs> Fasano and Carlson played together. Um so, yep, Nicholas and Eifert played together. Like, usually they've had two going at the same time. So, I feel like I'll give, I, I will give Mayer the nod. As the, he's the best tight end that I've seen um, on the Notre Dame team. Yeah. And I, and again, not saying that Notre Dame is about to have another Michael Mayer, but I've, I really like the tight end room moving forward with, with Evan stays and Raritan in it. There, there should be some really good productivity you know, yeah. out of, out of that group and then adding to it in the future. Last question coming from Statman 72. Uh, Pete, and I want you to answer this because you were there for the explanation for this the other day. Um, Still don't get it. Okay. Maybe. If, yeah, I know. Maybe. <laughs> well, you weren't there. And so I maybe the, expl- the explanation no. that we heard Tuesday after interviews is probably, <laughs> excuse me, better than what we heard today, but Statman 72, what do you make of Marcus Freeman allowing only those players who have clearly stated this is their last home game to be introduced on senior day. Is he implicitly telling players who are on the fence about leaving that if they want special recognition, they have to decide to leave before Saturday, who are the 25 players to be introduced? That's not what they're not saying that you have to make a decision before Saturday. Pete, take it from here, please. But I could understand why Statman 72 thinks. I agree. I agree. 
Um, yeah, I think this was a mistake on Freeman's part. Um, because the way that he said it on Monday implied that if you walk, you're you're out. Right. Um, and I was like, well, that seems a little harsh. And then I had a player parent reach out to me, like livid about it. Um, that you know, what if my son's not ready to make a decision? You know, essentially, are you going to not walk because you don't want to disqualify yourself from returning? For no reason, um, but that's not other it. than that's other it. than Freeman's policy. I would hope like, it, that's how it was portrayed, though. Like it was portrayed, like well, if publicly, you choose to walk, you're you cannot come back. And it was uh, portrayed that way behind closed doors too, or just that's publicly? how it was interpreted by this parent. Um, well, so it just it, it the communication on this left a lot to be desired. Um, and then Freeman sort of clarified on Thursday a little bit that. You know, so basically two or three he, guys. He that... to, yeah. He wants to avoid the situation where I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Am I, pen- do I get a penalty if I walk by not being able to return, but then I, I don't want to not walk. So I have the option of returning, but then I decide I want to leave. Then I have no senior day at all. Like that's, that's the scenario you need to avoid. That should be your first priority to avoid. If you're Notre Dame, he said he's avoiding I, that though today, right? Yeah, but it took four days to get to that point. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it just, it seemed like one of those things like, okay, first time head coach, <laughs> maybe not sure how everything works, why everything works. Probably something that somebody in the goo could have been like, coach, this is the way we've done it. This is why we've done it. If we do it your way, here's the negative. And Think that's why I it. thought, that's why I wanted to ask the question today, right. because I thought yeah. it would it give him an opportunity to provide clarity, but Tim, what was your, the the one thing before I get my reaction, the one thing you provided clarity for with you today was if you have a decision to make because of your NFL grade and you want to walk, you can definitely walk. What I don't get is who can't walk. Um, So I am interpreting that as Michael Mayer is not supposed to walk. Right. Which, which he's not a senior. He was clear with on, he was clear on Monday about that, but also Michael Mayer. Okay. Let's say Michael Mayer is, just I don't know, twelve credits short of graduating, six credits short of graduating, and he's not coming back in the fall to or in the spring to graduate. Obviously, he's training. So last year and a couple of years ago, juniors walked that were going to graduate in the spring and summer, like mm. Jack Lamb and Micah Jones walked as juniors. Um, I got Micah Jones in there for you, Pete. Uh, other juniors have walked and I think he doesn't want juniors walking that are going to then graduate and grad transfer out. Like I bet you Litchfield Ajavon walked last year as a true Jay Bramblett walked last year. Jay Bramblett walked last year. I think he doesn't want juniors walking that are leaving his program. That was going to be the hard guy part of it. And then it has all these other things, all these other strings that just don't work. But I can see saying you're a junior, you want to leave. I'm not sure why we're honoring you with the seniors that have spent four or five and six years here. Does that make sense? It does, but it seems a little harsh on Michael Mayer, who's a one it does. It, great football player at Notre Dame. And he I agree. He has he has no choice. I would like to think well, Michael Mayer's not going to another college, though. I would let Michael Mayer walk. Michael Mayer is going to his career. Jay Bramblett is going to a team you could play in the Gator Bowl if something went differently for LSU this year, right? I just yeah. feel like it's 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 Notre Dame. The degree is supposed to come first. So, yeah. you know, no pun intended. You got to walk the walk if you're Notre Dame football here and <laughs> honor guys who are graduating. Because like you said, that's what's most important. So that's what's being honored, not being how long given, you've been here yeah. or how good you are, whether you're going to play in the NFL or you're going to grad transfer. You're honoring guys who graduated from the University of Notre Dame. 
you're right. Plus smart crowds can honor Michael Mayer the second he does something in that game, or they can announce Michael Mayer after a touchdown and he can get a giant ovation and Mayer yeah. will wave to everybody like he does all the time. It'll Just hypothetically, that might happen. <laughs> all right. Last thing before predictions, Pete, I'm doing this to you every week now, but it looks like the athletic is saying the holiday bowl for Notre Dame. I, and I, I assume this means a Projected, win yes. over a win over BC yes. and it doesn't really matter what happens with USC. Notre right. Dame goes to the holiday bowl with the projection right now by the athletic that it would be UCLA. So a couple of things, the word was that the Gator bowl and cheese it bowl, which is formerly the champ sports bowl. were not going to pass the opportunity to take two of the three following teams, Florida state, North Carolina, or Clemson. They're all relatively local. Uh, two of them have had really good seasons. Florida state would be one of them. That's an easy ticket sale. Um, good crowd. San Diego, halfway across the country, much harder ticket to sell to anybody but Notre Dame fans. So that's why the Holiday Bowl makes the most sense. They're among those three right now. Um, UCLA, we'll see. They had a bit of a dust-up with them last year and not playing due to some COVID stuff. So I Notre Dame, of the non-New Year's Six Bowls, to me, the Holiday Bowl makes the most sense um, based primarily on the other teams available to the other Florida Bulls that are uh, in the ACC's tier. All right. We appreciate that input from Pete Sampson and the athletic. And now we go to predictions. I only heard holiday bowl. What, did, <laughs> what else did you say? Okay, I wish it was already there. I wish it was <laughs> December 29th or 30th, but I'll, I will take, I will take it. I will take it. Suck it up. The Priester family is well accustomed to. Uh, oh, the 28th. And Christmas, the 28th. Yeah, yeah. Christmas yeah. is the month of December. Yeah. I've spent a lifetime traveling on holidays in in uh in december but it's all good it's all good all right predictions bc i think that notre dame will pre- will muck around and win the game um something kind of in the, <laughs> sounds wonderful it's like a wonderful 20, saturday in the snow the 27 13 <laughs> range um i think Mo- you know moorhead will get and zay flowers will get their stuff but that you can get two touchdowns that way or you can get a touchdown and two field goals that way pretty hard to get four touchdowns that way. And I just, I don't see a way Boston college is going to score enough to put pressure on Notre Dame's offense, which is inconsistent. Um, I don't think that Boston college is going to install Navy's defense overnight, but that will be enough to at least gum up the works a little bit when you get a a few all out blitzes and Notre Dame isn't sure they're coming and, and how to pick it up. So I go 27, 13, I don't think it's going to be a thing of beauty. You sort of just get it in and out of senior day. At this point in the season, Priester said this in previous podcasts. Notre Dame is a long way away from style points even mattering. Um, they're not in that kind of competition anymore. So 27-13, going to L.A. at 8-3. Yeah, I'm very close to Pete. Um, I did check the weather with uh, winds from southwest from 20 to 25 miles an hour chance of snow 40 percent higher wind gusts available mid-afternoon saturday and a high of 27 it does not scream drew pines passing strength and spreading it all over the field so i was going 28 14 i'm going to bring it down to one of those games that notre dame fans are not going to love 21 14 notre dame because of the weather situation. Yeah, the line has dropped. I think it was at 46 initially, and we're looking at 42, 42 and a half. And I was really on that 28. Like, Notre Dame would play pretty well at times, and then just, as Pete said, muck up a quarter and a half or something like that. But I just feel like a missed field goal, a 
a tipped interception and it's instead of 28 it's 21 i don't mean like 21 14 pine has to rally them to to win this you know it's more like the how did they only win 21 14 24 14 whatever that a mucked up game yeah i picked a 26 20 score here a couple weeks ago and and I, well, I think that was actually in favor of Clemson, but I mean, you know, this is where, I mean, may touch, I can see touchdowns and some missed extra points because of that, that forecast. But of course we'll have the uh, Irish Ostrid uh, preview on Friday. And does Blake um, groupie hit a field goal in this game. If it's boy, over it's 35 be, yards, it's going to be tough. And, and right. his confidence isn't sky high right now these days either. So we'll see. It'll be an interesting day in Notre Dame stadium for, will it, will it rival the, uh, the weather from the BYU game from what year? I keep messing it up. 2014. 2013. Yeah. 13. No, 13. 2013. 14, they were terrible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, could be something like that. It's going to be. Uh, originally, they weren't saying snow for Saturday. but uh, Now it's popped in here. I just, now they're adding yeah. that into the equation. But as we always say, everyone loves rain snow and game. snow, not like wind. What's that, Pete? Right. Everyone loves a snow game if you're in the press yeah. box. Yeah, exactly. And that's where we'll be on Saturday. Windows open. We're all set. (laughs) Got a couple of windows open. Stop doing that. Just for me. No, it's it's great. You have to be able to hear. You did just one window, though. Just one. (laughs) Just right by me. That's fine. Yeah, near uh, in the vicinity of us. All right. O'Malley and Priester will be back from Nordame Stadium on Saturday for instant analysis pregame. Until then, Priester, O'Malley, Sampson, thanks for joining us. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider.